Hi, I'm Katie, and I've been an educator for over 20 years, from paraprofessional to 10 years as a classroom teacher, to principal to district administrator, I've done it all. Being an educator right now is challenging, to say the least. No matter the role, we can find ourselves overwhelmed and stressed out. I've been there, and I found the secret to a work-life balance that improved my life. Join me in discovering simple secrets that will help you step away from the noise and improve your life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. You know, this week I actually had recorded a different podcast that I'm going to play and put up for you all next week. But this week I decided to pivot because I think it was important to have a discussion around self-care and secondary trauma after another tragedy in another school in our nation due to gun violence. Uh, And I'm not going to go into the politics, the um, all the pieces that we generally hear when these types of things happen. What I really want us first to do is to take a moment to really think about the families and those left behind of the amazing educators that we lost and the precious students that we lost uh, this week in Nashville, Tennessee. So I'm just going to take a moment and I ask you to do the same to just uh, put them in your thoughts for a moment. Thank you for doing that with me. I think it's important for us to recognize um, that even if we don't teach in the state of Tennessee or in the city of Nashville, these types of events have an impact on us as educators. I'll never forget, I was still in the classroom during Sandy Hook and I was teaching first grade uh, and thinking about the teachers and the things that happened during that event and putting myself in the place of, could I see myself doing what those teachers did to try to save my students? And 100% uh, I could, Uh, because I love what I do. I love my job. I loved my students with all my heart. And that's what many of us feel uh, that we would do if we were called to because that is part of our job, is to keep our kiddos as safe as humanly possible. Um, And for some of us, that feels like a big weight on us and something that seems out of the realm of what we should be expected to do as educators. Uh, And I don't disagree with that either at all. I think that having to understand that we'd have to be willing to put our lives on the line for our students is a little more than what I thought teaching would be when I started back um, in the mid-90s, late 90s, I guess. And even though Columbine had happened uh, right before I started getting into the classroom, It still seemed like such a one-off, something that wouldn't be a trend necessarily. Um, And we found out that that just isn't the case. So I want to talk a little bit about secondary trauma, because whether um, you teach 
in Tennessee, whether you teach in another state, whether you teach in a different country and you're listening from Canada or Europe or Australia or any of our Asian countries, as teachers, we know that this is now within the realm of possibility. And we experience secondary trauma due to these events. So I started thinking a lot this week about the impact these events have on us as educators. And so I, I really was interested, I've been doing a lot of work around trauma, trauma, trauma-informed practices in the classroom, reading a lot of books around how to support students in trauma and in secondary trauma. And so I thought I would give us just kind of a definition of secondary trauma so we can kind of ground ourselves in common language and common vocabulary, if you will. And so what I found was that secondary trauma is the emotional duress that results when an individual hears about the firsthand trauma experienced by another. And that's really what we're talking about here. We might not be anywhere near where this event happened. We might never have lived in a community where an event like this has happened. And yet it has an impact on us. And it, it can really impact us in a couple different ways, in a very conscious way. Like we can see that we're feeling angry and we can react to why is this happening type of thoughts. And we can uh, really start to feel some of that secondary trauma, whether we feel sad or whether we feel some anxiety, um, some hopelessness, and we can point to because of this we feel. But also those things can happen even in our subconscious. We might think, what a terrible thing Um, but that would never happen here. But in your brain, you can still be experiencing that secondary trauma. You can still have that underlying feeling of tension or anxiety that you can't really put your finger on. Uh, And it has an impact on us. It has an impact on our emotions. It has an impact even on our physical body. And we have to be able to recognize and process this as educators and not try to just ignore it or shove it down or pretend that this isn't something that we have to deal with in our current reality. So I want to talk a little bit too about, so what do we do, right? What do we do to manage this secondary trauma stress that we're going through after an event like this? And some of the ways that we do that uh, seem almost, I I have to admit, when I first read some of these things, I'm like, oh, well, of course, right? So that's what they all say. Uh, It's very easy to just say, well, take care of your body. But then I started thinking about what does that really mean? And taking care of my body, making sure that I have my physical body is ready to support kind of the emotional side of me. So when I'm feeling my best, when I've had good sleep, when I make sure I drink my water, 
I make sure that I get some kind of movement, intentional movement in every day, no matter what form that looks like. When I eat good foods, good healthy foods that feel good in my body, my body then is prepared to help support the emotional side of what's going on. Uh, And so even though at first I went, oh, physical, of course, Uh, And, you know, a a little, (laughs) I don't know, with a little bit of disdain, maybe, like, um, well, how can that really help? But what I also believe is it truly does, because those are the things that I know in other times of my life have really benefited me, that when I am getting sleep and I am getting water and I'm eating well and I'm moving, it makes even the day-to-day stress easier to tolerate and easier to redirect because my body is ready to take that on. I think the most important thing, though, about managing this secondary trauma stress is really being conscious that it's there and self-aware of how it is affecting you. And I've talked before about some of my daily routines, and journaling is a really important routine for me. And I have to admit, I was not a writer. It's not something that I did since the time I was in elementary school with my first diary, right? Um, I was, I didn't see myself as a writer. I didn't see myself as somebody who saw journaling as important. Um, But what I learned through my experience going through coaching and working with my coach was the benefit of making my thinking visible, Right, And we, we do that for kids and the way we have them show us what they've learned, making thinking visible, right? But we do that as adults, as humans, that can be done through journaling. Because when I let myself just write and write what I'm feeling and write what I'm thinking and write, get it all out on paper, I can look at it and go, wow. Okay, so there are some things here that I'm thinking that make so much sense why I'm feeling what I'm feeling, because this is what I'm thinking. And so this is causing these feelings of anxiety or overwhelm. I can also see where there are some thoughts that just plain are not helpful for me to think. And one of those thoughts, quite honestly, is a thought, will this never stop, right? That was a thought that I had on Monday when I heard about what happened in Nashville. Will this never stop? Uh, And to be honest with you, that thought for me is not helpful because my brain just wants to then spin on all the horrible things, all the ways it will never stop, all the ways it could someday maybe impact my life personally. And to be honest with you, that's not helpful for me to go there. That doesn't feel good in my body. It doesn't make me feel better about what I do. As a matter of fact, it ramps me up and makes me more anxious and worry more. So I have to be really intentional when I see those thoughts to say, okay, there it is. That's what I'm thinking. How is that helping me? And if it's not helping me, what do I need to think differently? Uh, And I'm not talking about like putting on the rose-colored glasses or saying, oh, well, that'll never happen here. It's more of that... um, 
using your upstairs rational brain to say, okay, this is life. This is the current society and reality I'm living in. And what do I want to make that mean for me? How do I want to think about this? And what do I want to do next? And so as I think about it, I think about, okay, so what do I do? How am I prepared in my work setting for this? And we all know our current reality of all the drills that we do and the reasons that we do them. And we do them and we practice them because God forbid something does happen, we have an automaticity to it. We don't have to rely on our rational brain in a time of extreme trauma to know what to do. It is like exercise, muscle memory, if you will, of what we need to do. So that helps me. I am prepared because we do our drills. I know what to do. The other thing that I think about is, so is there something else I can do to feel like I'm either contributing to um, the moving forward of our processes in our country to help mitigate some of these things that were happening and how do I want to get involved in that? So it could be a choice of getting involved with a nonprofit or getting involved politically. Those are choices that we have that we could make to help us uh, feel like we have some control over this uh, and some... uh, well, I guess not control as much as we are contributing, right? Because I think <laughs> control is one of those things that's kind of a uh, an illusion. I don't think we ever tr- truly have control. We have control over ourselves and our actions and our thoughts. That's about it. Um, but that's for another podcast. I think the other thing is we think about things that we can do to help mitigate the secondary trauma stress is really... St- make sure we're connecting with friends and family. And we're doing it through that lens of love and gratitude as opposed to the what-if lens, right? Again, like really being intentional and purposeful about the thoughts that I want to think about my families and friends as I'm connecting with them. And I'm doing that out of a place of love, out of a place of gratitude, out of a place of just... um, pure positive energy that I get to be around these people and talk with these people Um, and open up to them also, right? Because they tend to be our closest people and we can say, hey, you know, this is impacting me and I just want you to know uh, how it's impacting me. And again, it's not not to get into um, all of the Uh, pieces around it, right? The things that we, again, we can't control. But really just to say, hey, I've gone through this thing as secondary trauma and it's impacting me. And so your family and friends are always there to support you. I think another piece, another um, way to deal with it really is to process with colleagues and really open up to that shared experience of how do we feel about this? And again, just being really careful not to get into the muck and mire of um, the the state of our society, but to really kind of process the, the stress that we're feeling, the overwhelm that we're feeling, and remind ourselves, how do we move forward as educators, knowing that this is a potential in our world and has been a reality for many of our colleagues across the nation? Uh, no one can understand 
as well as educators themselves. I have even watched some videos from other educators on social media this week talking about, you know, having a real life event that ended up not being something um, that was truly a a real problem. But at the time, in the moment when they're sitting there with their students in the locked classroom with the lights out in the corner, knowing that Nashville just happened mere days ago, that has an impact on us. And we need to recognize that. And we need to take care of ourselves and be honest with how that is impacting our lives. Again, this is not about feeling like we have to be martyrs. Um, It is not to say that we shouldn't be angry and upset about our current situations and what we really are expected to do in our classrooms. And we need to make a decision for ourselves as well, because we can be angry, we can be outraged, we can be um, just so bogged down by these feelings, these negative feelings, that it impacts our lives in a super negative way beyond what we're already dealing with in the secondary trauma. It's like we're holding on to this secondary trauma and wanting to to stay in it for a length of time. And I would caution against that. Um, Again, not saying we're wearing rose-colored glasses, not saying this isn't a reality for us, but how do we want to feel? How do we want to show up every day? And for some of us, it could be fear and it could be something that we actually are so impacted by that we do need to go out and seek some actual professional health for our own social emotional health. And that's okay too. If you are feeling that way, if you are feeling that you're not sure how you're going to show up in your classroom every day because this has impacted you so much, please, I implore you, go find some help. Um, That is the best thing you can do for yourself. Uh, But for many of us, we're able to uh, hear these uh, horrible, tragic things that are happening to our colleagues um, and their students and be angry and feel that sadness and feel that uh, despair uh, and process it and process it in a positive way so that we can let that go through our bodies, sit with those feelings, recognize that these feelings in us are valid. These feelings in us are completely normal. Of course, we're going to feel this way. Of course we are. We identify with the men and women who were brutally murdered and the children that they were trying so hard to protect and were unable to protect. Of course, we're going to feel these feelings and we should. We're human, we're educators, and this is our lives. And yet, we cannot continue to live in this secondary trauma because that impacts our health. It impacts our physical health. It impacts our mental health. And so we do need to find a way to move forward. We need to find a way that works for each of us individually, whatever that is, Uh, taking care of our physical bodies through movement, through good nutrition, through good healthy sleep. And maybe even that is seeking 
a, a doctor's help uh, with with some medication, maybe if you're having trouble sleeping. Uh, whatever it is that works for you, but really, really processing this and recognizing that we all are experiencing the secondary trauma and need to find a way to take care of ourselves so that we continue to show up as our best selves for our students, for our staff, for our colleagues, and that while we recognize this happened, we recognize um, that just the horribleness of it all, and we don't make that so much part of our human being that we end up hurting ourselves in the process. So what it comes down to is I just want to say, take care of yourself. Take care of you, your family, your colleagues. Be there for each other. Take care of each other. And know that I am right there with you and I'm here anytime you need me. Again, I'm Katie Barrett, and I thank you for joining me today on our podcast. Take care, and I'll see you next week.